Hello, I'm Anna Bogutska. And I'm Clarice Lockery. And this is the Next Supremes, an American Horror Story Rewatch podcast. In this episode, Violet learns about the rules of the house and Constance is interrogated by the police. I mean, that sounds fun, but this is kind of a grim episode, isn't it? Yeah, it's both that and because we had this giant reveal last week, Mm. and this happens quite a lot in American Horror Story, there'll be some like wild twist, giant reveal, and then the next episode will just be an information jump dump just like Mm. i feel like a lot of things are explained and not in a way that is particularly fun in this episode yeah this is very much a larry and violet episode but let's start kind of from the beginning so we first see a flashback to the brief period of joy when Constance and Larry were living together with most of Constance's children. So we see Tate and Addie and they're all having dinner and it's all very fraught. Like Tate has been just a massive emo dick in this scene. Yeah. He is um, given strong like Lydia Dates cranked up to 100 <laughs> Yes. I hate my stepdad <laughs> vibes. I've been yeah. listening a lot to the Beetlejuice musical at the moment, so I'm sorry okay. if I just like, a hundred different Beetlejuice references. I'm very sorry. But Do you know what? This is probably the most appropriate episode for the, all those references. Exactly. So, oh yeah, there is an exterminator in this episode. Oh, yes. this is the Beetlejuice episode. I'm declaring yes, it now. Yes, it is. <laughs> Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> Although Tate then, um, as any teenager with a stepdad was one to do, I guess, I mean, this is dark. He sets Larry on fire in Larry's office and then he goes off and commits the massacre at his high school directly after. So um, yeah. Tate wakes up cranky and it really... It really kind of reminds us of just how much of a of a psychopathic murderer Tate is, which makes it so much more difficult, at least for me, to continue liking him. I will say the darkness of this scene was spoiled slightly by the fact that the other thing I've been doing a lot of is watching Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race, <laughs> and there's that little... In this, in the scene of him getting ready to set Larry on fire and and also mm-hmm. presumably preparing for the massacre, there's this little like rattlesnake noise, like which is the yeah. same noise, same sound effect that on Drag Race when someone's like there's a bit of shade going on. Oh, <laughs> it's the same like. I swear it's the same sound effect. I I'm not going crazy, and so I was so distracted because it's like this incredibly dark scene of someone preparing to like do the most monstrous thing possible, and it's the like back rolls. It's like that noise. Um. So yeah, sorry that I like can't talk seriously about that scene because I was just thinking about 
that sound I can't, effect. I know we can't see each other right now, but my face is just like aghast right now. I am shaken by this revelation. <laughs> now American Horror Story Murder House will never be the same. <laughs> that is so fucking brilliant. <laughs> Because sometimes, like, obviously, like, when people are are constructing shows or movies, they just have, like, a library of sound effects. And this this also happened in Snowpiercer, which is one of my favorite movies. But Mm. the alarm on the train... Sorry, this is a diversion. But the alarm (laughs) on the train in Snowpiercer is the same sound effect as my iPhone alarm clock. And it drives me insane (laughs) every single time I watch the movie. It's exactly the same. It's the same sound effect. I don't know what happened. I don't know if like the sound designer accidentally went into the iPhone files and like got it out. <laughs> so, Do you think it was deliberate? I'm, I... Like in American no. Horror Story. Do you think it was deliberate? I don't think so. Because I think that might have predated the sound effect mm. in Drag Race. Because I don't know if they've used it the whole time. I think it's just like I am convinced it's the same audio file. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I think it must just be that they like they just mm. used found it in the same folder. They somehow googled the same tag <laughs> for audio files Amazing. and got the same noise for incredibly different scenes and moods. That is an amazing uh, through line to make. Just. Like I don't, I've got nothing else to say for the whole episode. Like I'm just gonna be thinking about that sound. I did also pay a lot of attention to the food that was on the table because it's 1994, mm. but she mm-hmm. comes in with a ham, like a pineapple. It's a ham covered in pineapple slices, and yes. and there's like cornbread and spinach, but also sweet potato. And the idea of pineapple and sweet potato together. I don't know about that. (laughs) I mean, it it all sounds very uh, unappealing. Yeah, like everything without the pineapple sounds amazing, but you suddenly add like a pineapple into that situation. Also, those pineapples look like tin pineapples, like they were not fresh. Yes. Yeah, like that's the pineapple that you have on the pineapple upside down cake, but it's on a ham and it's going to go right next to spinach. I might get cancelled for this. I'm not strictly opposed to pineapple and pizza, but I'm not into pineapple on ham. And I know it's kind of the same thing, but in my mind they're not because you're putting pine like tin pineapple on top of oven cooked ham. It just seems gross. Whether it's on a pizza, if you put cheese on anything, it kind of solves any issue you might have with the ingredients of the food in my book. Yeah, I think pineapple and cheese makes more sense to me than pineapple and ham and spinach and sweet potato. Okay, let's move on from the pineapple. I think because this was such a this was such a a sort of it's quite a dry episode. So I think my mind spent the whole time just like wandering other places and like focusing on very small details. Uh, cause yeah, outside of it, it's just like, I, it feels to me like Ryan Murphy's gone, oof, I've not got many episodes less left in this season. <laughs> Blech. Here's everything. <laughs> it is quite an important one though, because in terms of the storyline between Tate and Violet, because 
we find out that Violet actually did die in that suicide attempt that we thought was an attempt earlier on in the season. So actually, I do remember that that storyline really vividly because it was such a shock when I first watched it. It's such a twist in the story. And it also really complicates the ghost politics of the house. The whole thing about Tate is that he's supposed to not know that he's dead, right? So Violet is enlisted to help him realize that he is in fact dead and a ghost. But he clearly knows. And he was also, you know, hiding Violet's body from her and not letting her know that she was also dead. So he was like helping her pretend. Sorry, the cat's really funny. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Could you hear him a lot? Yeah. <laughs> it's really cute. No, sorry, it's really, really, really cute. Um my my understanding with Tay is that maybe I've gotten this wrong. I think he knew he was dead, but he didn't know how he died or the circumstances. Mm. Like he didn't know that he committed the massacre. I think he because he must he must know that he's dead because he's been like it's been like 20 years and he's not aged I feel like that would be a giant red flag and also he takes he takes full advantage of his like ghostly abilities even when he first meets Violet yeah yeah so I think it's it's like he he tells Violet that like um neither of them can remember the the circumstances under which Mm. they uh, like how they died they can't remember how they died they just like he just knows that something happened and now he's a ghost which sounds like quite a nice deal <laughs> to, I, I would like it if you're a ghost but you'd like because then basically you would never experience death because uh, things only exist in our memories so if you just instantly forget it then it almost never happens to you they do talk about this actually when after violet discovers her corpse and they talk about this and she asks him like do you remember dying he's like no and they have this conversation and it does seem like quite peaceful and placid in many ways but I do think that it's kind of inconsistent of this season kind of the inconsistencies with Tate's sort of state is is quite obvious you know the way that he sort of like either does know that he's dead but doesn't remember how he how he died or what he did but then he sort of also behaves in some episodes like he does remember he's quite vicious really aggressive and violent which is kind of part of the the personality and the 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 way that he lived as well he was like a really angry person but then he shows so much tenderness towards violin and like tries to protect her from the from kind of the ways of the house and from realizing what she had done and he even tries to engineer sort of a a double suicide with them and we know that moira knows how she died right because otherwise why would she feel that way about constance yeah unless they've already had that conversation we never really get that but you know Moira even carries sort of the scars of her death on in her ghostly form she has the 
the kind of the eye through which Constance shoots her is her glass eye. That is really interesting. Yeah, ghost politics are messy in this season. And just on this show in general, I would say. <laughs> That's the thing, like we don't know what it would what ghost politics would be. Like we have no grasp on the the phantom world so i think mm. that gives the show an excuse to do whatever it likes because it can just go well like, it's ghosts ghosts there's no logic in death just ghosts clearly not what did you make of that of that reveal though did you do you remember expecting it i don't know i actually can't remember whether i i knew because i think re-watching it it feels very obvious mm. because why is this girl just not going to school for 16 days straight? That's a bit weird. Uh, and also, why has no one in the house noticed that fact? But I'm also not very observant, so I would imagine during a first watch I would not have picked up on that. <laughs> so I will say that I was probably very surprised. You say that, but you notice the pineapple and the ham. So I'd say you're very observant. For for weird, unhelpful details. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing plot related. So let's then move on to Larry and Constance's storyline. So Constance goes to visit Larry and kind of tries to kill him and threatens him because she thinks that he murdered Travis and she's mildly upset about that. But then she gets taken in by the police herself. What did you make of those scenes? She is so vicious in that scene with Larry Mm. when she goes to visit him. I mean, the stuff that she says, like, oh, I never loved you. I endured you, which is, it's just very interesting because I think this, this episode, because for maybe the first time in the whole season, she's really not in a position of power anymore because she is suspected of this murder and the the threat of jail is looming over her head. And, and to see her so exposed like this, like you really see the, the I don't know, like the desperation come out. Because hmm. like her insults in those scenes are just like, just like, just over and over and like on and on and on just constantly like oh that's your problem if you love me um I'm only here because I needed some human contact like it's so Mm. it's so cruel because she's sort of like in in a defensive mode and his devotion to her is just really insane and bizarre like the hold that she has on him even after she keeps mistreating him so evidently is is kind of incredible like his little face when she arrives in the basement to meet with him he's almost expectant like hopeful and then when when he speaks with his family who burn themselves alive because of his affair with constance it's devastating like he'd rather lie to them than admit to himself that his love for this woman is just beyond toxic yeah because the wife he says 
don't worry i'm gonna i'm gonna put constance in jail i'm gonna mm. i'm gonna make her pay for everything that she did in this to this family and the mm. wife goes it wasn't her like she wasn't breaking any vows that was mm-hmm. you sir your fault that's interesting that's interesting because it goes down to that i think that idea that we always have in society like it's always the woman's fault isn't it whenever there's an affair it's always the woman who gets Mm. blamed you know regardless of anyone's marital status yeah yeah no but larry larry's wife calls it out just like no babes it wasn't just her it was you you made the decision yeah we we love a a dead feminist queen (laughs) 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 calling it calling it like she sees it (laughs) I may be a creepy ghost now, but you know what? I'm not going to stand for any sexism here, any double standards. So, <laughs> Larry. <laughs> I don't know. I like that little moment because obviously the wife would have a lot of disdain for Constance because, uh, yeah. you know, that relationship broke her heart. But she's like, you know, she's recognizing, no, it's not Constance's fault. She's not the one who cheated on anybody. I mean, she's done a lot of other bad things, <laughs> but in this specific instance, she's not the one we're going to blame today. It's such a confusing scene because then we see Constance being interrogated by the police and she is stoic as fuck. Like, she lies point blank to them and kind of gets away with it, I think. She's very good at playing the sort of, I mean, it's like Emmy-worthy acting as Mm -hmm. glamorous widow lady because she's sort of pulling on, you know, she comes dressed in black and she's got her Mm. mascara running, but she still looks very beautiful. Like it's so, it's so precise and so performed. Mm. And it's also like she plays the scorned wife as well, really well, because she talks about Moira and her husband's affair. Like, you know, I heard the runoff somewhere, but, you know, I'm not going to stand in the way of true love. Oh, yeah. And and like as an audience, we can we can hear the, the sort of sarcasm and bitterness in that. But it's interesting. And then to the police, it sounds genuine. I don't know. To me, it was like, oh, that's another, you know, that's another jab at Moira, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, no, totally. Even in death, even in the afterlife, she's going to jab at yeah. Moira. <laughs> even when she's yeah. not in the room, she's still going to have a go at Moira when she can't even hear. Yeah, Constance is uh, not a feminist queen. No. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no feminist points for Constance today. Just to finish off with that storyline, Larry turns himself in for the murder of Travis and they have one final scene between him and Constance when he's in jail and I love the viciousness of her there's this moment where she goes to pick up the phone uh, through which they can talk through the glass and the disgust on Jessica Lang's face and how she sort of you know, rubs the phone to try to clean it and kind of holds it just close to her ear, but not really touching with her flesh is just mm, chef's kits. Just such amazing, like bile in every single movement that she does. I love it. Oh, and then when she just puts it down, because he's begging her to say, say that you love me. Mm. And then she just goes, 
meh, nope. Just puts it puts it down, walks away. It's oof. It's cold. That it that is just like the height of her manipulation. That's the thing. Do we think that Larry confessed to the murder because he wanted to do the right thing and pay for his own guilty conscience? Or do we think that Constance got to him and he was trying to protect her? I think she didn't get to him. I think she already had him and he wanted to protect her. So I think he was trying to do the right thing by her as like a last attempt to rule her. And her last kind of cruel act, like her her last act of cruelty towards him was just to absolutely not give a shit about his sacrificing himself once again for her. Where she's like, I literally could not give two shits about you being in jail for the rest of your life. I guess because she doesn't need him anymore. So. Exactly. She just walks. Not cool. (laughs) Very not cool. Oh, can we talk about the exterminator? Oh my god, My favorite character from this. Yes, Phil the exterminator. (laughs) (laughs) I love someone who's passionate about their job. And you know what? Phil the Exterminator loves his job. And he's good at it. You know? He's just like, look, you've got blowflies in your house. Because he's coming in because there's blowflies in the house. And he says, I know exactly how to find them. I need to go in this crawl space. Oh, no, there's a dead body. (laughs) Oops. But, you know, he's still, he found that dead body in the space of, like, five minutes like that is efficient working yeah i really applaud this man and also he does his best arnold schwarzenegger impersonation and he calls himself the verminator yes the verminator (laughs) (laughs) yeah we love phil i think i feel like he was a breath like he was a a breath of fresh air in in a show where everyone is so you know manipulative and mm. two faced and and selfish, here's a guy who just like he loves his job, he's good at his job, he wants to do his job right, and yet he still paid the price. Yes, he got uh, savagely murdered by Tate in the crawl space, which it's just really it's like just unfair. It's just rude. What this guy. What did Phil do to deserve this? He just he just wanted to find where the flies were coming from. <laughs> I just like this is this this is the season's greatest tragedy is Phil the exterminator. It really he is. He didn't know the house was haunted. He's a true innocent. <sighs> R.I.P. Phil. The verminator. R.I.P. The, the verminator. Shall we do um our categories? Yes, yeah, because I think we've kind of covered the biggest yeah. plot points. Yeah, yeah, let's do categories. Okay, so what's your top quote of, of the episode? Well, we kind of already mentioned it, but it is the um the ver- the verminator is here. <laughs> That's because I love Phil so much. <laughs> How about you? I actually, I, I, you know what? I struggled with this episode with finding like fun quotes. I've got like two sad ones in the conversation that Tate has with Violet after they, you know, it's revealed that she's been dead a, a whole bunch of time. 
he is sort of explaining himself and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? Be like, hi, I'm Tate. I'm dead. Want to hook up? And I thought that was um, quite a rare moment of honesty from Tate. That's a pretty classic American horror story line, I would say. So. Yeah, that, right? that could end up on a t-shirt for sure. <laughs> hi, I'm dead. Would you like to hook up? Wear that on Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And what about Naked Man moment of the episode? Oh, well, there's no, like, there's no butts. But there is a, but there is a fight. Yeah, there's a lot of ab. Mm-hmm. You see much ab because part of this plan where Tay is trying to stop Violet from figuring out that she's already dead. So he tries to convince them to um, try and, uh, and commit suicide together and, and to sort of get Ben out of the way, I guess. Mm-hmm. He he goes to chloroform him. That's what he's trying to do, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, so he's coming in with his little chloroform cloth. Um and he's in the rubber man suit and there's a the big old giant fight, except that Ben's just gotten out of the shower, so he's all abs and a little towel. And there's a really extended fight sequence. And the towel just doesn't fall down. The towel never falls off. I was so impressed. I was like, I'm sorry. This is... No. Good towel special effects in this fight scene. This is one of those, like... Yeah, this is one of those, like, Hollywood myths about the towel that never (laughs) falls down. Because... From my personal experience, if I'm putting a towel on, unless I'm like closed armpit waddling from location to location, like that towel's gonna fall down. Exactly, like which is why I don't often travel long distances in towels. Yeah, I try to avoid <laughs> fights if I'm just wearing a towel, just like as a precautionary measure. Yeah, and like I understand, like you didn't have much choice, like. I mean, why did Tate wait for him to be coming out of the shower to make that decision? I I don't know. But yeah, I wouldn't be worrying about the towel in that situation, I guess. Mm -hmm. If it falls, it falls. You keep fighting. The weird slogan. (laughs) (laughs) If it falls, it falls. You keep fighting. Also another good t-shirt slogan. (laughs) So who would be your um, MVP of the episode? This is quite hard because I feel like everyone is having a real bad time in this mm. episode. So I'm going to vote the Antichrist <laughs> because he's just chilling right now. <laughs> he didn't do anything. We we knew you like we had this giant reveal last episode. He's not doing anything this episode. He's just chilling. Having a nice time. Biding his time. How about you? The towel. The towel. <laughs> The towel. <laughs> the towel is the MVP. <laughs> He's putting all other yeah. towels to shame. Yeah. <laughs> really doing the hero's work. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Oh. Um, he protects. He attacks. <laughs> most of all, he don't. Fall. What's that mean? Like he protects. He he attack. But most of all, he he stay put. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I am out of my mind this week. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 
content. Quarantine brain. Did you notice any insensitive historical references in this episode? Well, I would say it's a repetition of what we've had before, but mm. the fact that they call Travis the boy Dahlia, yes. I thought was weird. Yeah. Such true. a weird nickname, the boy Dahlia. As yeah. if the black Dahlia was called the girl Dahlia. And now we've got the boy Dahlia. Also, Travis isn't a boy, he's a man. I just don't think any media outlet would ever think to do that. Oh, I don't know. Especially, like, so recently after mm. his murder. Like, it, it took them, like, less than 48 hours to come up <laughs> with that nickname. I just, I don't know. It made me feel weird. I don't have any historical tidbits. The only tidbit I can offer from this episode is that it was directed by Michael Lehman, who is also the director of Heather's. Just one of my favorite movies. Wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, it was directed by Michael. This Lehman. is Michael Lehman. Yeah, the like the Michael Lehman. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I love Heather's. Yeah, he's amazing. I didn't know that. That's an amazing fact. <laughs> it was. Oh, now I feel. Oh, I feel horrible that I've said <laughs> bad things about this episode. I mean, I, I take it all back. Brilliant. It. I thought it was really well directed. <laughs> Also, he's such a lovely man. So, yeah, to be fair, I think, like, he didn't get the best episode to direct, but mm. it looked great. The Violet reveal, I thought, was really effective, though, even rewatching it. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of, um, you know, in the, the American remake of The Ring, mm -hmm. when she finds her friend. Yes. And it's that same sort of, like, open mouth, contorted... Um, and I fully, like, had to sleep in my parents, like, <laughs> had to sleep on a, a blow-up bed at the bottom of my parents' bed yes. <laughs> after I watched that movie when I was a kid because of that scene. It was a really creepy moment. Yeah, totally. Really, really reminded me of that as well. That was a great fact. Thank you. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so what can we expect from the next episode? Oh my god, in the next episode, Vivian gives birth. Antichrist, here he comes. <laughs> Antichrist baby shower. Yeah, I think I'm excited because, like, you know, am I like, is it a spoiler to say that, like, you know, Antichrist, we see what the Antichrist looks like when he grows up at some point in the show. We'll be back next Wednesday dissecting another episode of American Horror Story Murder House. In the meantime, send us your thoughts on Twitter. I'm on at Clarice Lou. And I am on Anna B. Demented. Antichrist, he's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, babe shower for the Antichrist. <laughs> Do you think he'll get like a little Pope's box as a baby shower present? Oh my god. Like a teeny tiny a teeny tiny paper inside that just says Boo, you're the devil. <laughs> Hi. <laughs>